0: Welcome to the House of Mourning. Hey there, I'm your host, Joelle Coteau-Willard, and this podcast is a space where my guests and I explore the raw, unfiltered truths and inner knowings we tap into in grief and in life after loss and trauma. We reject societal norms that condition us into bypassing and fast forwarding through the work of healing. My personal desire to normalize grief is the result of my own healing journey, having lost my father at the age of 33, and most recently, the death of my second son late term in pregnancy. For those of you that find yourself in grief, recalibrating after loss, or healing from trauma, I honor you. Perhaps you are here because you are navigating supporting a loved one who is grieving, or on a healing journey. If so, way to show up for yourself and them. Wherever you are on the journey, all of you is welcome here. Kicking off episode two, the first episode with a guest, we have my personal mentor and friend who called me into this podcast space. Literally, she called me and said, you need to do this podcast. You need to do one. Go. (laughs) Is our guest, first ever guest in the house of morning, Kelly Poulos. Kelly Poulos is an international management consultant. Performance coach and best-selling author of her book *The Secrets to Winning*. Over a 50-year period, she has coached, trained, and influenced over a hundred thousand entrepreneurs, managers, and executives. She has logged in excess of 60,000 hours of coaching and consulting. Kelly lost her son Frankie in 1993 when he was 18 years. Of age. He was killed in an automobile accident. And from this tragic loss, the Frankie Poulos Foundation was born. This foundation does its work in loving memory of Frankie's life and what he cared about. In his own words, someday I hope to have a major positive influence on people and share all the love I have received. The foundation conducts a fundraising drive on behalf of youth organizations in Novato, California, where Frankie grew up. As of this, the foundation has raised over $375,000 for the kids in Frankie's neighborhood. Here we are. Let's dig into the episode.
1: Kelly. <laughs> Ulysse, welcome, welcome, oh, Thank you. Let me begin by saying congratulations, Joelle. Congratulations on uh, giving us a voice, giving us a voice. I, I really appreciate it. And I know that people that are watching who are bereaved mothers and or parents feel, feel the same way. The thing that, that really touched me when I've been reading your work on this is normalizing grief. This is so valuable for us. Thank you so much.
0: Mm. Well, thank you. And uh, I've learned a lot about grief from you Mm. as well. And so I'm so delighted that our listeners are going to have a taste of your take on it as well here today, Kelly. So I wanted to open up and invite you to share, you know, for my experience and what I understand to be a commonality of bereaved parents is one thing to normalize is us having more space in general and being invited more often Hmm. to talk and share about our children who have died and for people to say their names. Absolutely. And so I wanted to invite you to share, you know, what if what what would you like to share with us about your your lovely son who passed?
1: Yes. Frankie. Frankie, 18 years old. He was in a on his way going skiing. Got in a I won't go through the all the details, but got in an automobile accident, ended up in the water, died on impact, and that moment our entire lives shifted completely. Every everything changed. I don't want to make him sound more in in life, uh, in, in death than he was in life, though, Joels. But if I was going to talk with you about him, I would say he was 18, you know, for three or four years before he died. He was a pain in the ass. He was a teenage boy. He was belligerent as hell. He was per- he pushed every boundary we had. And at the end of the day, he landed and he was he had finally uh, became uh, at ease confident in his own skin as he was in his first year of college he was funny he was forthright he was a champion of the underdog he was by no means perfect but he was he was our baby and we miss him every moment of every day
0: yeah thank you thank you so much and uh With, with the podcast, I'm, you know, one of the, my biggest points of inspiration is people sharing and like you shared earlier, right? Like normalizing grief and people speaking openly about the truth versus this watered down toxic positivity, bullshit, you know, like wrap it all up and make it, you know, make everybody more comfortable.
1: Right. Um, because how long ago now how many years this ago is, this is 1993 this is 1993 so i'm you know on 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 the on the timeline i'm i'm way way down the road but i think that you'll find when you talk with people there is no time with regard to grief i mean it's it it's as if it happened today uh for me there is no numbing or dulling you know i've heard the uh, some things you and i have talked about people things people say and they're trying to be helpful but it's not helpful which is it, it, you know give it time give it time it'll get better i don't think that's useful it doesn't get better what happens is it gets different if you're lucky you're surrounded with some people that support you and you figure out a way to live in, live simultaneously with two kind of opposing thoughts, Joel. One is Frankie's dead and the other is I have a whole bunch of people that are still alive. Mm-hmm. I do not find that time has dulled that. I could burst into tears at any moment as if it happened yesterday. I'm only speaking for myself. I mean that other people may have a different kind of relationship with that. And the other thing that you touched me about was the thing about speaking his name. I started writing a column every year annually for a lo- local newspaper the year he died for exactly this reason. Because they posted in the January issue of their editorials uh, significant events this year mm-hmm. in Marin County. And they named a parking lot and a new store and some other what I consider to be mundane things. Now, Frankie had only been dead for a couple of weeks when this happened. So, so, so factor in here that I was still quite raw, but this really pissed me off that they thought a parking lot was a significant event and I had just lost my son. Now that's an example of insanity. I mean, of, of grief, grief kind of makes you crazy. So I wrote this, this editorial for precisely the reason you're talking about, which is he will not be forgotten. We will speak his name. We will speak his name out loud and proud every chance we get. And for us, this kind of hesitation about, is it okay to talk about Frankie? For us, it's the opposite. We want to talk about him. We want to keep him alive in our experience for sure. And how you do that is you get to talk about him. So just your simple opening question, there's a tutorial right there for any listeners who are saying, what do you say to people who are grieving? That simple question is so beautiful, which is, tell me about your son. Tell me about your daughter. Mm. It's beautiful. Yeah. You know, do you, do you agree, Joelle? Do you agree? Do you feel the same way? I I I feel
0: exactly the same way, Kelly. Mm-hmm. Because for me, I never met my son. Mm. He died the day before he was born. My um, my second son Julian and I still, you know, I, I have a deep and I will forever have a connection with him and know him at the soul level. I believe. And I had a pregnancy with him and I saw him and I met him. And, um, you know, it's like, it, we can't, we can't compare and comparing in grief can be
1: toxic. I'm, toxic. Yeah. It's dangerous, yeah. Right? yeah. I, I agree.
0: Yeah. Like at least <laughs> unhelpful. Um, however, you know, for me, I don't get asked much if at all about who he was mm-hmm. and, and how he was and, and, you know, what he looked like. And it's, it's, I've written about this in my blog. is It, yeah, it right. feels like society ex you know, these, there's these messaging that are unspoken, but mm-hmm. very felt as the bereaved person of like, let's just move. We don't want to talk about it. We don't want to, you know, that death, that person who died, especially a baby or child or your child, mm. it's like even more taboo right? and people run from asking questions or it's the last thing they want to do.
1: Yeah, exactly. I, as you, as you're talking, I think it's as if in your situation, because you really didn't meet him, he didn't exist. And, and, and he did, mm-hmm. you know, so I know every mother who listens to this will get this, and I'm not sure anybody else will. But when I was, the morning Frankie was killed, I was driving to work. And I was listening to the station I always listen to, which is the news, which tells me what the traffic is, you know, on the way driving into San Francisco. And at, at, at some moment, I felt something come through me that was so powerful that I really just didn't understand, didn't, didn't even pay any attention to it. And then found out later that that was exactly the moment Frankie had had the accident. Mm -hmm. So don't tell us, anybody listening, that there isn't a connection forever with your kids for us. This is, I think there's some, in your research, I'll be interested to see if you find out there's some empirical evidence to support Joelle, that there is absolutely a connection between the mother and the child even when they're separated.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I feel it. I feel it all the time.
0: Well, you know, it's funny because for myself as a daughter of my mother, when I was living in Indonesia, because we grew up in Indonesia in the nineties and then I moved back as a 25 year old to, to Jakarta and I, um, Let's just say I had a drinking problem. I was drinking too much, partying too much, living the expat life, mm-hmm. uh, toxic life of, you know, crazy partying and what have you, debauchery. Um, anyhow, uh, I, I got food poisoning and um, landed in the hospital and this became a pattern. And so we don't have to go into that whole story. But the point is that I ended up with uh, typhoid fever. And for whatever reason, I kid you not, the moment, like almost to the minute that I sat in the emergency room in Jakarta, Indonesia, and laid down on the emergency triage bed, my mom texted me. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Are you okay? And it wasn't even like, hey, honey. Like, it was like, are you okay? (laughs) I'm like, what? and, And that's in life. However, um... I truly believe that in, in all levels and scientifically, I don't have the exact verbiage or, you know, a uh, term for it. The DNA, the mother becomes forever changed by, by the chemically and in our DNA by our children after pregnancy. If, if we are, you know, the birthing person of that, of that baby. And, and that stays with us forever. Just like my second son, Julian had in his DNA, my first son Axel's, exactly
1: exactly amazing it's absolutely absolutely so powerful
0: so there's a permanence to it and and that's a whole other conversation you know Mm and it it, it depends on your beliefs but i believe in spiritual dna and like our ancestors and you know Mm -hmm. anyhow and that's not that's also scientific but but i don't have the science to to go into that you know what
1: i thought of when you were talking is and this may be why uh may explain how, how women grieve differently than men. Uh, I, I'm, and I'm telling you, my, my husband was what knocked out. I mean, it, it completely took him to his knees completely, but, but uh, he, he was able to emotionally rebound faster than I was. And I think that's because Frankie's in me Meaning. And who knows, right? So I'm in Jakarta and I go to this very famous psychic there and uh, we're sitting there. And as you well know, Joel, in, in Jakarta, the, you don't begin anything with the task at hand. You begin everything with tea uh, and some kind of refreshment in the foyer of the house. And you talk about each other's family. So I'm sitting there with this psychic and uh, I look to the friend who was translating for me and I said, uh, Rama, when, when do we start this reading? Mm -hmm. And he said, oh, it started 30 minutes ago. And so then in Bahasa, the psychic said, Frankie's here. And he said, thanks for the socks. And then I knew there was something happening here because Frankie was going skiing the night before. Like most teenage boys, at the last minute, he had a list of stuff he had to have to go skiing. And one of them was socks. For to put mm-hmm. in the ski boots. I had never told anybody that, Joelle. Nobody. It was it was mundane. It was insignificant. It didn't matter. Mm-hmm. But we bought the socks. The next thing Frankie said was, I'm okay. Mm. Gosh, I hope he is. <laughs> to, be, to be honest with you. Wow. Yeah do you believe he is you know i don't have a firm answer on that joelle Mm i i i i if i was being honest with you i could go either way i you know i i could make a case for the whole he's in a better place which is one of the annoying things for me i don't know how it affects you but it annoys the hell out of me uh, and, and and again, if anybody's listening, if that helps you, yay for you. I mean, really, I am a fan of whatever consoles you. And And if he's in a better place or she's in a better place consoles you, yay, good. Not for me. The better place for me is here with me, alive, living our lives, if I'm being honest. So I can make a case for it is as it should be, uh, energy never dies and he's in a better place. I can also make a case for he's gone. And for me, it, it's not essential to have an answer for that. Just for me, but I know that for some people that is essential. Mm -hmm. How about you? How do you, how do you feel? i feel
0: um i'm I, I i'm with you around it's kind of like whatever floats your boat mm-hmm. whatever's consoling you know if right i i do feel spirituality i don't know personally i don't know how to talk about death without spirituality coming up mm-hmm. not from a place of i'm you know intending to push mine on into any onto no, yeah i got that's you. not the case however for me that the my son Julian is permanently with me, and you know, de- death is transcendent.
1: Mm. And,
0: um, you know, this is gonna sound weird when my dad died in 2019, I felt closer to him in his death than I did in his life.
1: Mm, got it. Wow, yeah, wow, wow, because there was no, no baggage, nothing, there was no, there was just. Connection, energy.
0: Because I stopped wanting more from him,
1: mm. 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 Mm.
0: and I, be, I I became real. I got really into Wayne, Dr. Wayne Dyer's work, mm. um, who my father loved as well. And, um, and you know what, I took a lot at that time from Dr. Wayne Dyer's work was is all about, you know, how can you be in a relationship and practice accepting what is and them as they are versus always wanting them and it to be different than it is. Mm. Mm. And unfortunately it took my father dying for me to
1: experience that wisdom. Mm. Well yeah that is that is for sure wisdom. For sure. And,
0: and so you know so it's it's tough, right? Because mm-hmm. my dad we, we we had such a, uh, it wasn't a bad relationship, but it was so complicated and he was constantly traveling. He was overseas for 23 years. Mm. Um, I saw him maybe four weeks a year for most of my adult life. Oh, uh, wow. if I was lucky, if okay. I was lucky. Um, and, uh, and you know, anyhow, so the point is when he died,
1: I get the point. You know with, what I mean? Like he was yeah. with
0: me. It's just like all the, like he was there. Yeah. Got it. Um, and with- and and then when Julian died, it was the first time in my life. And this is going to also sound bizarre. However, it was the first time in my life that I could, that I felt relieved. And I, I don't know if gratitude is the right word, but I was, the, I'm going to say gratitude for lack of a better word. I was grateful that he was dead. Because? Because he could be there with my son.
1: Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah that's very beautiful totally get it so totally get it you
0: know so it's like for me it's it's the i believe in a veil i think the veil is very is thinner than we we like to remember um between life and death and it's interesting you know and 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 speaking of wisdom kelly i wanted to i wanted to
1: this is another way of saying you're really old and therefore you really you got some wisdom girlfriend
0: yeah (laughs) Hey Kelly. Uh you know what? Like no.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Speaking of wisdom, you, you know, I I, go, I you are all about and you've taught me well, you know, giving credit where credit is due and mm. like Kelly Poulos I credit my desire to do a podcast to, you know what I mean? Like it was not my idea, let's be clear, okay? It was yours. Um so I'm blaming it on you now. No, I'm not. <laughs> However, it came out of our talks about wisdom and this this cultural story you shared with me about your husband's yes, family yes, 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 as, yes as a Greek yes, yes, man
1: so could you share about yeah, that I, a, I'm, I'm, married, I'm, I'm married 51 years to this incredible Greek man with an incredible Greek family and you know, one of the cultural things about the Greek family is, you know, food and music and that, and they sit around and tell stories. And I remember once uh, in, in Atlanta at his at his family's home, the Greek men men and women were sitting there talking about uh, ancient Greece because they're very, you know, there it, it is, if you watch My Big Fat Greek Wedding, it's exactly like that. The Greeks invented everything there is, top to bottom. And they, they own it. <clears throat> they're not embarrassed about it. And that's that. But one of the things they were talking about is they were talking about someone who had passed. Um, I think it was, I can't remember if it was Anne Helen or who it was. But anyway, they said in ancient Greece, uh, I can't remember if it was Uncle Steve or Papu said in ancient Greece, you know, daily there was a forum. There was no social media. It was it was today's version of of social media which is people would come to the town square and the teachers and or the philosophers would be there plato socrates whoever sure people we don't know and they would teach and 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 gather and talk one of the things that they did is if someone had recently had a loss and they were in suffering you know the the greeks believed in the the two sides, the you know the the mass that you see the the agony and the joy the the contradiction they believe powerfully in suffering as well as joy operating copesthetically at the same time so if someone had had a, a pass the teachers would move back and move the people who were grieving to the front and the people would get in a circle around them and listen to what they were experiencing and what they had to say, because they believed that at that moment of grief a a a a wisdom, you you had access to a wisdom that you may not have realized before, and i sort of agree i not sort of i agree with that now I do think that to be honest with you Joel, that that window closes, meaning I'm not as um raw now you know i'm 30 years in
0: right
1: i'm not not as raw but i do believe that things became not it wasn't new information but i knew it like i know my name so for example what i call bf uh before frankie died bfd and afd after frankie died And it's how I categorize things. Meaning before Frankie died, there were things I would put up with. There were conversations I would engage in. There were things I would say yes to that I really didn't want to say yes to before Frankie died.
0: Right.
1: After Frankie died, it was easy. It was clear. Never became easier for me to say yes and or no about what I want to say yes to and about what I will firmly say no to and have not a moment's hesitation about that. To me, that happened at that moment that early on, it became very clear to me what was important because everything that I thought was important, you and I have discussed this crumbled. So all the control that I thought I had was an illusion. It's absolute illusion. That went away and I had to rebuild some kind of ground to stand on. And that device helped me, which is, okay, this is AFD. Am I going to say yes to it or no to it? But it was easy. Where before Frankie died, I would struggle with, oh, I don't really want to, but I should, blah, 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 blah. After Frankie died, and ever since, it has been really, really easy for me to say yes or no. Why? Because I know what matters really, like I know my name, and I know that that sounds like some pithy saying, but there's a difference between saying that and actually knowing it. So if there's a gift in suffering as you and I've talked about, that may be the gift. If, if, if you listen to it, it's not an, I, I don't believe it's an automatic gift. I know a lot of people who are in grief, Joelle, who haven't experienced what I'm talking about because they're not open to it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it.
0: You know, I think there's two things that are really hitting me as you're talking is, is I felt pretty early on in my grief this time when my dad died, I suppressed it. So I didn't feel anything. Right. 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 I didn't really feel it. I was a zombie. I was, you know, um, however, with Julian dying, it, it, it was like, I, I, I don't, I don't subscribe to the concept of brokenness I don't believe that humans can get broken you know whatever because and then we're into fixing and like you know all that stuff however for me it's the first time in my life I felt broken open Mm. and it was as if all the pieces Mm. of who I was before Julian died Mm -hmm. were on the floor shattered Mm. and I was looking at them and I was like, that, 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 that's all done.
1: Right.
0: You know, it was like, not me, not anymore. I don't know why I don't get it. None of it makes sense. And I'm done with who I was like, you know, and so there was a break in my
1: identity. There was a yeah, lot long- a kind of a, another death almost that, you know, the death of who I was. Yes the ground shifts my husband jim and i have talked about this there is a seismic shift in the ground that you're standing on and it's completely it's it's as if you were standing on what you thought before frankie died b f d standing on what you thought was the ground but it wasn't and you didn't know that and then after frankie died boom you went down to the real ground because that false floor was demolished
0: I'm gonna
1: have to journal on that one, Kelly. Well, to be honest with you, I was thinking while I was talking, and I hate that we had to learn it that way. Just like, just like you said about your father, that you know, sorry that he had to die for you to have that experience. I, in a minute, we would take Frankie back and have the false floor and live with it, but, but, but that isn't what happened. And we are realists that way. We do true up to what is. Yeah.
0: Because we have no other choice, you know, just like, and not from a victimy space. It's like that. It's like this. It's like, you know, this is your new reality. This didn't happen to someone else, which we're taught for somehow like, you know, I lived it and breathed it like everybody else. I had internalized that happens to other people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. My dad's not going to die when I'm 33. I got him for life.
1: Yeah, exactly. Are you surprised how many people, one of the things we talk about is how we find ourselves sitting by uh randomly meeting people who have lost children and before that I don't know that we ever had but I what I'm surprised about is how many of us there are and we don't know that because of what you're trying to do which is because they weren't allowed to talk about it not allowed is the wrong word but culturally they were reluctant. reluctant to talk about it and you know so that so that whole idea of normalizing grief I, I I think there's something about, you know, I felt or they felt, maybe it just happens in conversation. I know you get this all the time too. Hi, how many kids do you have? You know, that's one of the major decisions you have to make when you lose a child is if you have more than one child is what's the answer to how many children do you ha- do you have? Which is a normal question people ask. Well, for me, it depends on, how I feel about the person or what mood I'm in or whatever. Sometimes I'll say I had two uh, boys and I just go on from there. Cause I don't particularly want to talk with them about it. But sometimes I say I had two, I lost one and more often than not, the person I say that to has also lost one. Come on, come on, come on. Hey,
0: I believe you. I mean, yeah. You're just so much, you know, you're coming from such a different perspective. I'm immersed in the, what we, what we now call loss community, which is a specific name for parents who've experienced a pregnancy or infant loss. So I'm all day talking to bereaved parents and like, I, that's all I really want to (laughs) do.
1: Yeah. I gotcha. No, I gotcha. I gotcha. I gotcha. I gotcha.
0: So I I haven't experienced that yet. Um, however, I, I, I don't doubt it, Kelly.
1: Yeah. It's amazing.
0: And, you know, one thing I want to definitely ask you is about, because you have those 30 years to this year of life, of, of healing, of living grief, of, you know, you are a personal development, you've been in personal development one of the top of the tops for, for over 50 years. Right. And so the emotional challenge game, emotional intelligence game, that's your game. Right. And, and yet grief, different game exactly. <laughs> don't even really want to call it a game. However, right. Different thing. What would you say, Kelly, are your biggest learnings from this thing called grief and healing from such monumental loss, like losing your Frankie.
1: This is a question probably that, you know, every single person who's lost someone needs to be able to answer, needs to be asked, you know, so that they can connect with it. But the first thing that came to mind when you were, when you were talking to me, Joelle, is this time does not heal in and of itself that's what i would say there is no closure however you can learn to incorporate this thing and in my case frankie in into your life in a way that you're still connected what i would say is it's it's not time alone it's who is with you during that time so i think the crucial thing on the journey and healing for us, has been who we have surrounded ourselves with for the last thirty years. People we can openly talk to about it. People who want to talk about Frankie. People who knew Frankie. Um, our our kid, our son, our older son, and his daughter-in-law, and all my godchildren know that they can. Break Break into tears at any moment that they want and talk about Frankie, but my point is who you surround with who you surround yourself with is the crucial factor, not time. so if you do thirty years and you're not allowed to talk about it and it's not normalized and you haven't been able to express it, and you don't you 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 just you just have it as this scab that's just there, and it's getting harder and harder then the time didn't make any difference but we were lucky because we were surrounded with an open loving uh family and friends that supported us wherever we were at any given moment the other thing that really helped both of us is we both had projects in his honor and it was consoling to both of us you know my my Husband is local hero here. He got the road Frankie was killed on divided it 's a whole nother story. You can google it jim pools highway thirty seven and out of that, I started the Frankie Pooles foundation and I started it because Christmas was such a big deal to him, and I would just dread that Christmas was coming. But now, because of the Frankie Pools Foundation, I look forward to the fact that for three months, every day, nonstop, I can talk about Frankie and get donations to the Frankie Pools Foundation, which benefit uh, his village. So I want to end it by saying who you surround yourself with makes, in my opinion, Joelle, all the difference.
0: Oof. Wow, I've never heard that perspective before. And I know that's a really big one for me to take out of this conversation. And I think it will be for our listeners as well. And, um, and thank you for sharing about the Frankie Poulos Foundation. and And it's like, you know, you are the you are, you are so awe-inspiring, Kelly, Aww. as a bereaved person, what you have, you and your, your family have chosen to do for his legacy. Mm-hmm. It's so incredible. And
1: it, it it's just a, an immense feat to be able and, to do that. And I'm going to say right back at you, because uh, I hate that you had to learn, not learn, but, but get involved in this endeavor this way because of the loss of Julian. However, that is his legacy as well. If you can you imagine how he would feel if he knew that because of his death, grief was normalized? This is a huge friggin' deal, Joelle. Many of us are going to be so grateful. I just want to I just want to thank you keep writing. I read it every day. I love what you have to say. And the more you get in your in my face, the more I like it.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you. And I think he does know. I believe he does know. And so with that, I thank you so much. You can find Kelly Poulos, P-O-U-L-O-S on her Instagram at Kelly Talks Or on Facebook under Kelly Poulos, and you can buy her incredible book *Secrets to Winning*.
1: Thank you. It's an it's an honor. And now we begin. And now we begin. And so it is.